0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Husbands, do you remember the first time you saw your wife on your wedding day? Well, I absolutely do. Kayla and I got engaged December 2006, uh, just barely over a year after we had met, and uh, a little less than four months later uh, was our wedding, April 2007. And it seemed like the closer the wedding day got, the slower the days went. But when I saw her standing there at the back of the aisle, beautiful. Long white, glistening dress fit for a royal princess. Can't look at her. Look at her or I'll cry. Well, it was worth the wait. And me standing up here with a gaping toothy smile that <laughs> I didn't care. I was soon to be married to that woman. She would soon be my wife. So I beamed teeth and all. In in his word, God leverages uh, imagery to bring a, a, a breadth and a depth of meaning to his message that would otherwise just not get conveyed. And in describing the church, images of living stones are used, a holy temple, a body made of many members, right? We're uh, even athletes, right? <clears throat> we run with endurance. The race set before us, and, and none of these images are exclusive of one another. You know, just because we're a body doesn't mean that well we can't be living stones, and just because we're stones doesn't mean that well well we can't, you can't be athletes if you're living stones. Each image has its own spiritual truth that it's trying to convey. <clears throat> and the image of a bride, Christ's bride, is one of uh, the most powerful and stirring depictions of who we are, particularly those uh, from Revelation. From chapter 19, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude. I love this passage, one of my favorites. A great multitude, as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings. That's how powerful this voice is. This collective voice saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. In 21, then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And a few verses later, the angel invites John, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, that, one, that last one kind of gets me because I, I think if, if I was up there with John this angel was like showing me around this place and then says, hey, you know, basically, come on, I'll, I'll introduce you to the, to the bride, to the king's wife. I'd be like, whoa, you know, I, I'm not even fit to be here. You know, I'm, I'm much less uh, uh, worthy of, of interrupting uh, a person as such. Prestige is that. Powerful images. Why, why do I think these images are so powerful for us today? Because these images are us tomorrow. That's why. We are that bride. Christ's bride. That's us. how we feel about our wives husbands how we how we look at them or how at least how we should treat them and look at them and revere them that and all the more is how Christ looks at us like that he treasures us he cherishes his bride Us, and that, and that, I guess, blows my mind. So this morning, I want us to consider that this most amazing wedding of the future has been planned from the very beginning, as in, in the beginning, it was planned. And that in considering the prestigious position that we hold, the very bride of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that we will be stirred up to love and good works. We see a number of wedding references in the Gospels. Uh, of course. Um, in the Gospel of John, Jesus' ministry is, interestingly enough, it's bookended by a couple wedding references. right? You have at the very beginning, chapter 2, I mean, you're just barely into the book, chapter 2, Jesus is, is on the scene and you're at a, and you're at a wedding, uh, the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where Jesus famously turns water to wine. This is the beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory. And then at the end of his ministry, his public ministry, Jesus has this big long discussion at the end of John, just before his crucifixion. And he's he's wrapped up his ministry. It's the Passover with with his disciples, with his apostles there. And he tells them this. In my Father's house are many mansions. And he's telling them this because he knows he's fixing to be crucified, and that's going to upset them. And and, and he's he's trying to comfort them in advance. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And this is a reference to a traditional Jewish wedding after the betrothal, the the young man and the the uh, the father of the of the bride. After they agree on the terms of the marriage then the bridegroom then goes back home to his parents and for his father's house and the traditional the tradition is that he, he begins building either building onto that house or preparing a part of that house for him and his bride in fact you still see this this tradition is carried on today in Israel. I was talking to my father-in-law about this. And he said, yeah, you'll go there and you'll see these new houses. And on top of them, the, the top of the house, so much of the houses, there have flat roofs, I, I suppose. But the top of the house is like the slab with the plumbing, you know, set it out for another house like you might see today, like the concrete slabs. Oh, somebody's fixing to build a house there, and you see some plumbing you know, poking up through the concrete. So you see that on the tops of people's houses over there, so that when their son grows up, he's got a place to build on to that house. That's an interesting tradition, isn't it? Well, Jesus is talking to the people here, and he, he, he knows what they, what they understand. He's speaking in their language. And so he's using this concept of the bridegroom going away, but coming and preparing a place so that he can come back and get his bride. And he's using that to comfort them, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Note that in the first wedding reference is that you've got, you know, you really got John chapter 1. And at the very end though, you've got this little bit where Jesus is basically rounding up his, his disciples. Right? He's, he's got Andrew, Andrew pulls in Peter, and Philip, Daniel. And so Jesus is gathering together his disciples. And then right after he does that, he takes them to a wedding. That's the very beginning of chapter 2. And then at the end of his re- ministry. He promises them that he's going to come back and is going to receive his disciples to himself and he's going to take them to a wedding. Except this one, it'll be his wedding and ours. So this wedding at Cana and this wedding promise at the edges of Jesus' public ministry are sort like these bookends or, or, or milestones, if you will. And they point both backward in time to the very first wedding and forward in time to the very last wedding. Between himself and the church, his people, as Paul writes to the Ephesians, this is a great mystery from chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of Christ, of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. And he quotes from Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, Paul writes. This is a great mystery, but what I'm really talking about is Christ and the church. That's what this is really all about. The marriage. The marriage relationship, the husband and the wife, and the submission and the love and the cherishing and the nourishing. It, it's really all about Christ and the church. So let's go back to the beginning. <clears throat> and the Lord God said, He's just finished creating the universe. This is day six. The earth is young. <laughs> It is not good that man should be alone. This is in contrast to the thing that he's been saying, right? God keeps saying, you know, God saw the light and it was good. God saw and it was good. He keeps saying that up until this point. And God says, it's not, it's, this is not good. This is not good that man should be alone. Well, that's that's different. We haven't heard that yet. God says, I will make a helper comparable to him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And that's that's significant. That there's there, there's this like search done, there's this survey of all the of all creation. And after it goes through it all, Adam, did we find a helpful, comparable? No, 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 they didn't. And the Lord God, basically the Lord God says, well, fine, that's fine. I'm going to make you one. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man... He made into a woman. And then he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And there's that reference made from Ephesians. So let's go back and, and, and see that this is really about Christ. I mean, yes, this 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 is this is what happened, but this is the providence of God in that in planning for the wedding of the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is to come, who knows when? Maybe, maybe later today. Right? Um. He starts with this one. First of all, there's this search, and there was not found a helper comparable. This reminds us, I think, of Psalms 14. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, to see if there are any who seek God. Did he find any? No. No, God did not. They have all turned aside, God says. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No. Not even one. So God says, fine. I'll make one. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam which is a type of Christ. And and Adam sleeps here in the beginning, but in, in the New Testament, in, in Christ, of course, it's Christ's death that we're talking about. So Christ dies. And God takes one of Adam's ribs, this this uh, out of the, the flesh, this open hole in the side of Adam. God goes in and pulls out a rib. And of course, that... That's Christ's side, isn't it? We see that. That that Christ is bent on the cross. And that side is pierced. And out of that, what comes forth? The atonement for our sins. To create the church. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And at the end, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And in some spiritual way that I don't guess we understand fully, that this is how Christ looks at us. As as Adam sought to be joined back with his wife, and as we see, you know, be joined with ours, it, it's it's like God intentionally pulls them out of Adam so that they can come back together again as one. So. God is the ultimate wedding planner. I mean, he he came up with it all, right? He invented the faith. Uh, And so we are the bride planned for Christ from the beginning. This isn't something new. This This isn't plan B. This was planned from the beginning. So as the bride of Christ, as that, as in, we look at that image of that, that John saw in Revelation, this, this bride adorned for her husband, bright and shiny stuff. If that's us, then, then let us strive to be pure. Let us be chaste. If we are Christ's bride, then let not sexual immorality have. Any place among us. None. From 1 Corinthians, Paul uh, preaches loudly off the page. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the harlot? Never. And can you imagine the bride in revelation cheating on the Lord? I mean that's even, that's just sick to even think about. And yet in the church today, people condone. support except sexual immorality. Whether it be fornication, adultery, homosexuality, they are all a gross perversion. And and they're they're an affront to what God has planned for Christ, for Christ's bride. That doesn't fit, fit God's idea at all. Do you not know, chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Here's the kicker. And such for some of you, he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. <clears throat> that we can be washed and cleansed from such things it should never get a hold to us. It should always be amazing and we are to be like a bride, set apart from that, from the world that condones all of that, dedicated to the one, and through faith in Christ, adorned, like a bride is adorned, with righteousness. So let's take a look at uh, Isaac and Rebecca But mostly, really, Eliezer. I'd like to open from John chapter 14. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you so jesus makes this promise it's like i'm going to go away i it's actually to your benefit that i go away he says later so that the helper can come the spirit can come and when we see that play out right <clears throat> Jesus ascends back into heaven. He says, "Go back in. You wait until you receive power from on high." The day of Pentecost comes—the birthday of the church, right? And what happens? The Holy Spirit shows up, power. And what is what? What, what I think one of the exciting things is what does God use all this power for? You know, does He start ripping stuff up and you know making you know lightning bolts shoot out of stuff? No, he uses that power to speak the Word of God. In the languages that the people can hear. That's amazing. You know, the world, you can watch, just watch the movies, right? The world, we want to see fighting alien space robots, right? Missiles and stuff. Fire blowing up. Yeah, that's fun. That's cool. but. <clears throat> But the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. And it's pleased the Lord to do it like this. Praise Him. So anyways, God sends, God the Father sends forth the Spirit to to basically be a helper for the church and to guide the church towards Christ. And, and so we, we see that played out in, in with Abraham's servant. Abraham takes his oldest, uh, his oldest servant, which we had figured out earlier that that's this heir that he had before Isaac, Eleazar. Um, but he takes his oldest servant and he sends him out. Get a bride for Isaac. Go to the land where I'm from. And he says, promise me. Swear by the Lord that you will not take a wife for my son, from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, that you shall go to my country, to my family, and take a wife for my son Isaac from there. And this is interesting. This is what the first thing that the servant says to her. Well, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Uh, Unless I take your son back to the land from which she came? Well, what if if she's not willing to leave? You know, if she's not willing to leave home to come all the way down here to a family she doesn't know and and be married to Isaac here, away away from what she grew up with. And shall I take Isaac back up there then? You know, if it's so important that... that... And Abraham says, no, absolutely not. Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and you spoke to me and swore to me, saying to your descendants, I give this land... He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. There's no going back, church. There's no going back. You know, I'm reminded of the Israelites. They crossed the Red Sea. And, this, you know, Egypt and the land of slavery was behind them. And they, they crossed through this, like the, the biggest baptism that there ever was. And and God closes the Red Sea behind them. And whereas... a. You know, moments before there was the sound of of, of chariots and war and an oncoming slaughter. Now there's the silence. The peaceful crashing of the waves on the shore. There they stand. And there's no going back. Jesus says, No one having put his hand in the plow and looking back. Fit for the kingdom of God. So when this servant shows up, and of course, we know this story, he has this, this prayer with God. He says, God, how, how am I supposed to do this? I'm going to go to this well, Lord, and, and when I get there, when the women, at this time, when the women come out to draw water, then let me say to one, you know, give me a drink. And then this make this a sign for me that she will. Voluntarily, and after she gives me a drink, she'll volunteer to, to, to water all these camels too. He had a whole ten camels with it. And he doesn't even fit It's like while he's still wrapping up, you know, the, the amen. Here comes Rebecca. And he gets up and he runs to Rebecca and he says, Hey, give me a drink. And she's like, sure. And she takes it down and gives me a drink and says, let me get some for your camels. Too. and 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 he's just silent. He's not doing anything. He's just amazed that, you know to see it all play out. And she waters these camels until they have uh, full drunk. And then he's so then he 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 sees this and he eventually he gets back to her family. He's amazed. He tells her why he's calm. He takes her back to uh, her family. She's she's. A granddaughter of Nahor, Abraham's brother. So the, you know it's all in the family. You know this would be Isaac's, I think, first cousin, cousin once removed. So it'd be Arkansas approved. But um, there is some hesitance, though, that next morning, because the family is all agree, This this thing is from God. Yeah, this is a God thing. But there's some hesitance in the family, and we understand that you're just like, well, everything's fine, and then the next morning your your daughter's being taken away. Wait, what? You know. So they're like, well, why don't you why don't you stick around for you know a week and a half or so, you know? And the servant's like, no, don't hinder me. I'm I'm on j I'm on a mission here. I'm taking I'm taking her back. I am taking her to the bridegroom. And they say, well, um, let's, let's ask her. You know? So they defer to Rebecca. And they ask, Rebecca, will you, will you go with this man? This, is, this has got to be our answer. This has got to be our answer. Rebecca says, I will go. I mean it's like it's like wedding vows. Do you? I do. And so Rebecca leaves her family. And this sounds hard to us, but this world is not our home. Right? Our whole allegiance is to the king. Psalms, 90, uh, Psalms Psalms 45. This is a messianic psalm. So it's a psalm about the coming Messiah. Psalms 45, starting verse 9. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. So this is talking about to the Messiah. Messiah, at your right hand stands the queen in gold. From Ophir, that's us. That's us. Listen, O daughter. This is listen. This is directed to us now. Listen. Consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also, and your father's house. Forget all that. So the king will greatly desire your beauty, because he is your lord. Worship Him. Well, the servant lodges there with Rebecca and her family. And the other thing that I want to pull out from from that account there is that this this servant, who is like the Father, sending His Holy Spirit to the church... Adorns Rebecca. He actually adorns her on two different occasions. But you get you get the uh, gold nose ring that weighed half a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrists weighing ten shekels of gold. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver, of jewelry of gold, and clothing, and gave them to Rebecca. This is Revelation nineteen eight, isn't it? And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And we see the you know the 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 description of the city of the New Jerusalem coming down, adorned like a bride for her husband, and all the jewels on it. Job even says, by by his Spirit, God's Spirit, he adorned the heavens. In Isaiah, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Indeed, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We are adorned with righteousness. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. Good works that God planned beforehand again. Planned. Move on to Esther, who was also adorned before her uh, marriage to the king. There's a lot of interesting things about Esther. There's a lot of hard things about Esther, right? I mean, Esther was, she was uh, taken from her homeland into captivity, and uh, she's an an orphan, and, you know, her her cousin Mordecai is, is raising her, But it's not like she's had an easy life, and now she's taken whether she wants to or not. She's taken to be the to be the kings, and they find out that there's this plot to annihilate the Jews, the whole lot of them, and that this order has already gone out. It's already set on a certain day. Mordecai says, "Hey, you've got the king's ear. You got to put a stop to this." She says, "I can't do that. It's not like I'm. It's, like, it's not like I'm. his like right hand, like with him all the time. I haven't even seen him for, for a month. If if anybody goes into that throne room uncalled for, they get executed." You don't just show up without an appointment to see the king. Mordecai encourages her. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for just this time, for such a time as this. This This may be the why that all this has happened. For this moment. So she responds, go, gather all the Jews who are present in the Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther was beautiful in appearance, the Bible says, but her true beauty was her stand for her people, and her true adornment was that courage. And she had to stand. Uh, just take a stand for what was right. For such a time as this, which God prepared beforehand. Church, take courage. Take courage today. Stand for what is right. Do what is what is right. We are called to do good works. To be adorned in righteousness. Fine linen. The the righteous acts of the saints. It's it's not that these works are are our own um, uh, planning. This This is what God has prepared these works beforehand. He will lead us into them. He will provide the opportunities. Let's just be eager. Eager to do them. we are His bride. Let's be eager to put on the adornments that God has prepared for us to wear. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Right? Remember, we must remember that the fruits of the Spirit must be done all in love. That's the first one listed, right? It may be even that the fruit of the Spirit just is love and then all of those other things are different manifestations of that love. When Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 13, he says this regarding works. He says, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and you can throw in any other kind of work and you think, you think we ought to be doing here. Anything that you think the church ought to be doing. Ah, they ought to be doing this. Somebody ought to be doing that. Any of that stuff. We don't do it with love. It's trash. It profits us nothing. It's empty. We love because Christ loved us first. That's how we are to live. That's how we are to work. Now, may the God of peace who brought up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, that is Lord uh, Jesus, our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. See, he works in us. It's him working in us in us through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen Hebrews 13 you don't get a lot of sermons on the song of Solomon but I'll mention a couple of verses in it briefly basically it's about a man and a woman that are deeply in love The Shulamite, the bride, says, My beloved is mine, and I am his. God says, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And the the beloved says, You are all fair, my love, to his bride. You are all fair. And there is no spot in you. Of course, from Ephesians, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that that, that she should be holy and without blemish. God's grace is heavy upon us. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ, Galatians 3.27. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It's the last passage from Revelation that I'll read today. I saw a new heaven and a new earth where the... And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. What a future we have to look forward to. This is coming. This is, this is our wedding day. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write For these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the coward, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. If you're here and you're not part of Christ's bride, what are you waiting for? All we have is today. Tomorrow is never promised. If you wish to be baptized into Christ this morning for the remission of your sins? The Spirit and the Bride say come. So come while we stand and sing.